baseball fans, this is Mark Bergeraff, and I'll be joined shortly by my baseball buddy, Eli Botts. This is Baseball with Eli and Mark. Episode one, The Shutdown. We'll be talking about the baseball shutdown in 2020. Okay, let's start over. So, are you missing baseball? Yes, I really am. Yeah, this we should have been, what, about a week into the season by now? Yeah, we should have been. And we should be looking at statistics and how we are going to be getting better because I don't think we are going to have a all-star game depending on when we actually start an actual season. Okay, well, that's the first question we have. This is the baseball shutdown edition. This is the first time... Uh, we've ever faced anything like this in the history yeah. of the game of baseball. So the first question is, how many games do you think they're going to play in, in the 2020 season? Well, there's a hundred and so games. So I'm guessing maybe 58, 70. We aren't going to get many because we're going to have a little chunk of the season. We're going to go straight into wild card playoff season and then we're going to head straight into the part of the World Series. So that's what I'm looking at. What are you looking at? Well, okay, a full season is 162 games. Yes. Um, so that would mean a half season would be 81 games. Um, mm-hmm. in, order for, in order to even get a half season in, they'd have to start in July, assuming they don't play a bunch of double headers. Yeah, um, I don't think so. So let's say the shutdown uh, goes to the end of May. They're saying mm-hmm. they're going to need at least two weeks, probably closer to a month of a spring training. So that would be July. So yeah. if, if the end of May uh, is the shutdown, uh, the shutdown is over, then you're looking at you know, starting up what would around what would normally be the all-star break. I personally don't think the shutdown is going to be over in May. I think the, the shutdown, yeah. at least in p- parts of the country, it, is going to go into the early summer. So I don't think you're going to see baseball in 2020. That's my gut I, feeling. My feeling is this world's going to get over it fast. Like they're going to get tired of getting shut down. We're going to need something to boost us up. Golf, all sports channels are shut down. My thinking is they come back even in August. They take a month for spring training, or they play like half a month, and they play like 22 games of the regular season. Based on the statistics of the game, we'll see how many – like, what are the numbers? And then we'll hit screen for the wild card if we get there. I don't, I can assure you at the best, we probably won't be having an all star game this year. Yeah. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Okay. Well, here, here's the problem with all of that. The, the, the whole deal with baseball is it's a long season, it's the longest sport of any sport. Yes. It's the yes. merit, it's the marathon of sports. Okay. It's, yeah. It's it's 162 games plus spring training plus postseason. You're talking about 180 plus 200 games basically to to win. If you, 
to win if a World Series. If you won the World Series, yeah. Right, right. So, so, I was just about to look at the part at the World Series because that's where you're going to get it in. Okay, so here's the deal. Um, is it worth it? Let's say, like you say, August. Let's say they start in September. They have a spring training. Mm-hmm. Is it worth it to have a season that's a one month long? Because that's meaningless in baseball terms, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. If, yeah. I look like they have two months spring training. They go back in January. They have the February and they have a little March and they fly right back home or they fly all the way to whoever they're playing. They play that home game opener and they travel right back home unless they're hosting it at home for their home opener. So I don't think we're going to see baseball that much if we ever had it. Yeah. And my, that's another question that I have here is would you like to see your team win a championship in a, in a season that's cut short like this? Let's, let's say they play a half season. Okay. Let's say um, they, they start around the all-star break and they get an 81 games. They get a, 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 a complete half season in and the giants win the world series. Would you want the giants to win the world series in a half season like this? Um, that's what I've been pondering. I don't, well, it'd be great for another world series ring and everything, bring back home the good feeling, but something tells me that, um, we just, it feels kind of weird if your team won the World Series. You wouldn't quite be thrilled because it's like you cheating and you win. It like kind of like what I'm kind of thinking is like, mm, well, true, your team won, but is that an exciting feeling? Like, sure, you get more fan gear and whatever, so on, but and the team gets their ranks and stuff, but. I look at the point of like, mm, I, I don't really like this, but yeah. Yeah, I, I can just, I can see the the conversations in the future. Like, let's say the Giants won it um, and and people would say, oh, yeah, and the Giants won it 2020. And then everyone else would just say, well, yeah, but that one doesn't really count. So we'll throw that one out, you know, so. That's what I, exactly I'm thinking. Like, if say the Cubs won and so you're like, oh, the Cubs won, and everybody's going to look at you and say, like, yeah, man, yeah, that, big deal. We gave, <laughs> yeah, big deal. We gave your team the World Series for like nothing. Our team would have swept to your team. You wouldn't even be in the World exactly. Series right now if we we didn't play the half season. So <laughs> I. Wait. That's all. Yeah. When you were when you were talking about maybe like them playing for a month uh, or two months mm-hmm. total, um, yeah. do you know how many World Series championships the Cubs would have won in my lifetime if the season was only a month long? The, oh, the Cubs I are can... the Cubs are always in first in April, and then you know by September they're in fifth. So that's yeah, that's not what baseball is. I what I'd say is like the Giants. It depends on their like. And then I'm going to get into the 26-man roster. It depends on their roster. It depends on their minor league. Their minor yep. league system's hot. Their roster's yep. hot. And you're looking at a okay half-season half World Series. Sure. Your team dies in the middle of that half-season, you're dead. Because yep. 
you're you have that twenty six man roster, you have whatever, but you don't have the resources to get what you need, even in right. a half season. And that's why baseball is interesting because it's it is a marathon, and any you can look at any day or any week, and you you don't know what's going on until you see what happens across the entire season with the injuries mm-hmm. yeah. and, and, and the longevity. Okay. So, so that brings me uh, to a second point. There's some rumors and, and these, these look like um, these, this is going to come yeah. true. If we're right and there's no baseball this year, then Mookie Betts will never play a game as a Los Angeles Dodger, which means the Dodgers have given up two major up and coming yeah guys in Verdugo and I forget the other guy's name but but two guys they've given up um, a, a large chunk of money and there's a good chance that Mookie Betts may turn around and sign since he's a free agent after 2020 he may go back to Boston, Boston in yeah. 2021 and leave the Dodgers hanging how, how do you feel about that well what I say is man that was like a waste of a signed contract on the Dodgers point I also see on the dot handed a free agent guy saying, here, you'll play for us. And then I also see that one season contract and see, like, he's a free agent next year. Is I have a feeling he's just going to return right back to his teammates. They're going to greet him. His city's going to greet him. They're going to he's going light off and the Dodgers will have just wasted money. So if if he never plays for the Dodgers as a Giants fan, how do you feel about that? Well, on the NL West side for the Rockies, the D backs, all those teams, the Padres, the Giants, the Dot well, those four teams, I would say, man, it's a game. But I also have to look at and see the Dodgers are loaded with money. You can't lie about that. Amen. <laughs> but um, on that part, you also see Manny Machado with a $30 million contract on the Padres. Do you feel good about that? He was on the injured list not a lot, but he definitely did not show off his arm that much last year. He more yeah, he did. Got the money and he played, and he did not show off what the Padres were expecting him to see. So I'm thinking on the Dodgers side, they gave away players to the Angels, even, and they got these large chunks of money. And then I see him second in on like these veteran players that are going to be a free agent next year and they're like here here's your money and then they sign a one-year contract and then it's all over next year and then they're like oh man and then they left broke basically because they didn't get what they were wanting they didn't get a world series ring or money or anything their their fans are going to i think decrease just a little because of what the they'll need to raise ticket prices for Dodger games, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, when you sign a contract, what was it, like $330 million? Mm-hmm. And this goes this goes for Bryce Harper and his yeah. huge contract as million, well. Yeah, yeah well, um, 
you it's almost impossible to live up to that hype and Bryce Harper certainly yeah. didn't, they didn't get their money's worth out of him he's a franchise player um as as is Manny Machado um but I think the Dodgers are happy they didn't get Manny Machado because you know he did some pretty shady things and it's hard to be a fan of yeah. a guy who trips the first baseman and you know it's like there's certain players that you don't really want on your team. Like uh, who's that mm-hmm. guy on the, on the Dodgers who was in the outfield and then they, they sent him to uh, Cincinnati. Oh, and Puig. Yeah. Yeah. Puig, Puig, you know, he could be a great player, but he's just kind of a guy that you really don't want on your team because there's too much controversy. Well, that's um, what I see. The Dodgers are learning quickly here, I'm going to get good money on these guys that are going to help us, not these guys who are asking for like a $30 million contract like Machado, and then say, man, you're a great player, thanks for helping us get the ring, but you're out of here because, well, your behavior is just whack. You, yeah. You're basically just showing off and that's it. And I also yeah. think like the money they waste on their skin, like with tattoos and stuff, I see that and say, like, man, you showed off your arm, you got tattoos, and you got your money. That's it. You didn't. You weren't playing for the fun of it. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's hard to say. Yeah. Okay, so moving on um, with this uh, shutdown, what yeah. what I what came to mind was there's a lot of players now that are you know recovering from Tommy John surgery. Mm-hmm. A couple of guys just had Tommy John surgery. And yeah. when you think about it, these guys are really making out because yes. there's no uh, there's no penalty for them. They can mm-hmm. they're not missing any baseball. No, and it's not like they're on the injured list. They get their money or anything. They already got their money. They'll be those great star- stars like Johnny Cueto and stuff. They have time yep. to reveal their whatever like fastball, two seam fastball. Their cutter and stuff they're going to get that back next year and i think what the pro would be is a lot of guys are coming off of it so the chances yeah. are you could zoom past those good teams that are on tommy john's surgery like they're like i heard um aaron judge was out for a few different things and i'm just thinking like sad that he's out on it but thankfully he didn't miss anything even if he wanted to get it good thing he did not but i also see these good young stars are slowly becoming veterans and these veterans are barely hanging on there so i think every game they play is worth another another life is what i see for it like buster everybody's getting a year older Mm -hmm. i mean Speaking of Buster Posey, he's now one one year older. You got one less year out of Posey. That's that's tough. So it, it's it, mm-hmm. it helps the younger guys, I think, or or the, the injured guys. But it's hurting the veterans who, yeah. uh, who certainly aren't, aren't getting any younger. Um, let's talk about a team that's really uh, benefiting from this, um, and that is the uh, the Houston Astros. Yes. I think dodged yes. a bullet here. Now, now here's the thing: Go, going into spring training. Um, I don't know if you watched the first few games. Yeah. I was watching all all the games and what was going on. Mm-hmm. And um, every time a Houston uh, Houston Astro uh, the Houston Astros played a game, at least one of their guys got beaned. Um, they were hitting their players right and left. 
Um, Jose Altuve was getting booed. Most of their players were getting booed. Every park they went to, people were holding up signs about, you know, them cheating. Um, there were people in, in the news like uh, uh, they had uh, uh, Anthony Rizzo at the plate and they had him mic'd up, you know, how they, they mic him up. And he says, uh, he said something like, um, I don't know what pitch is coming. Somebody, somebody bang on a trash can for me. So they were the butt of every joke. But now nobody's going to remember that. By the time baseball comes yes. back, the Houston Astros scandal, I think, is going to be too old for people to remember. What do you think about that? Well, I think you had a good point about nobody remembering. But I think uh, Aftershock's going to come next season because they'll still have the same guys. Um, I would totally agree on those videos and stuff. They, they are probably going to get binged and their high density or the chances of getting binged are really high. So they're going to have injured players. They're going to need to be bringing up these minors that um, will be suffering like they didn't be involved in the cheating and they're still going to get booed. So I feel for the younger minors that are coming up because they're getting booed for something they didn't even do. So I think my, my sense would be have different, like have every pitcher be, be hitting players just constant or have them make, make it so that they work. And that you beam them. Because I think that's going to change a lot. They beam out all 26 players. They're going to have some problems there. So I think as long as they can make them suffer, I'd say go for it. Yeah, but do you think if there's no baseball this year, and so we, we basically move fast forward a year, you think people are still going to be worried or be writing about the Astros? And you think uh, people are still going to be angry about that scandal when they come back? Or do you think people are going to more forget about it? I would say, like, how the White Sox scandal was recorded in history. There's going to be stuff that's going to be recorded in history. And I think that brings me to another point of whether they are still remembered. Because a lot of these young Astro players two years ago where they were bombing home runs, in Dodger Stadium, I don't think that's going to go so well And as they are becoming veterans because they're going to be giving up a lot of teammates and then they're going to be remembered as the Astro scandal. Yeah. So I can see that. Yeah, and, and uh, pe- people will remember it because it is, it is a very important thing because it it, it – it, change the outcomes of the games yes. and baseball is already such a difficult game that that you know over the course of 162 games having that one little edge is the difference between a world series and not winning a world series mm-hmm. i know you're not a dodger fan but i have a lot of friends who are dodger fans who are ups are very very upset that and the dodgers have been trying to win you know a championship yeah. for what seven six seven years in a row now and they just they can't get it um, and, and that's basically the one that they should have won. Um, now, it's hard to feel sorry for the Dodgers. I mean, it's hard to feel sorry for a team with all that money 
that that wins the division how many years in a row it's it's crazy but mm-hmm. the game's supposed to be fair and it and it just feels like it's not well something uh, i would say is that the red sox won fair and square we all know that and then we saw the astros win in 20 or 2017 now that was yep. a complete fair game we had no sign of cheating i could watch the whole video of all the whole all the recaps and you could not hear a sound you could not see any sign of cheating and i think that kind of came on when they when they um when the red sox won i think they got to be like i'm going to take you down but then I also like it was the Washington Nationals who came on there and said, "Well, I see you want you were looking for the Dodgers. Well, we eliminated them. You're up against us." And I like how the Nationals took them on, and they were like, and they constantly were hitting. Their constant hitting defense was great. They rarely made any errors they were constantly moving and i said look at the houston astros yeah they were bombing a few good ones in the dome and stuff but it was more like the nationals had taken over the astros it was more like a payoff for what they had already seen yeah it's hard to say they um the Astros, you know, they have a lot of talent. They've got, yeah. they, are, they are a good team. But when it comes to that scandal, doesn't it make you think that this is the tip of the iceberg? Yeah. There's a lot of stuff that's gone on that we don't see, that we don't know what other teams have gotten away with it. But, yeah. you know, they banging, banging the trash cans was stupid because you can watch tapes and, and, and it you can get proof. But there's lots of other ways you could cheat with a camera like that. Yeah. And... And, uh, you know, and we, we may never know. And that hurts the game. It, 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 the game loses its integrity when, when you see that. Um, okay, moving on to uh, the, this new season. 2020 uh, was supposed to see uh, t- 10 out of 30 teams, a third of all the, the teams uh, with a new manager, including your team and my team. Um, how do you how, – the, the uh, Phillies, the Angels, the Royals, the Giants, the Cubs, the Pirates, the Padres, the Mets, the Red yeah. Sox, and Dust, Dusty Baker taking over the Astros. Now, Dusty Baker has been everywhere. He's He managed the mm-hmm. Cubs. He managed um, the Nationals. He's been all over the place, and I feel bad for him taking over the yeah. Astros. But do you So do you think the shutdown is, is hurting these new managers, um, or do you think it's helping them? Um, uh, D- David Ross just started with the Cubs. He's he's managed. A f- he actually missed the first few games with the flu because the flu was going around the Cubs at that time. Um, so he's managed maybe a, d- a half a dozen games, and now they're sitting on the shelf for maybe a year. Um, how's that going to affect these new managers when they start next year? Well, do you think? I'd say they got the hit of spring training, which is all that matters. I think I say. Giving these managers a break is would kind of be relieving in a way for me if I was the manager because you're looking and seeing, okay, so I'm a new manager. I don't know what 
like I know how to manage, but like, like who who am I looking at at spring training and saying, okay, so you're going to hit the top nine roster for starting games. You're and then also finding the pitching rotation, seeing how because I also look like Johnny Cueto and some of these old veterans or new pitchers even like the Giants are integrating their roster, how that's going to change their managing. Is it going to get better or is it like kind of a relief in that they can kind of regather themselves, look at their roster and say, okay, I want you and then like form out your nine-man roster, have your pitching rotations like getting warm fast. But now with spring training out and you may not even get a full season, you may want to look at, you could give your pitching a break, but you're also wanting to get them started around January so they come in at spring training. They're, they're fired, they're ready, you don't need to do anything. And then you fi- have them starting the season and they're on fire, and then you get to August, and you're still in, like, second or third place. And I think that's how a key to success is. Yeah. How do you feel about uh, the, the new Giants manager, Gabe Kapler? Do you know anything yes. about him? So he was an assistant manager for the Phillies. Um, never actually completely managed the – this pitching um, rotation thing and is kind of new to him. And I think he really wants to resemble what Bochy left for him and how that's going to impart on the Giants. I also see, like, Hunter Pence came back. They're, they have him. Uh-huh. And just seeing, like, yep. these old guys coming up with a new manager, they're going to help their manager. He's going to help them. I think as long as they bond with Gabe Kapler as the Giants manager. And then the women or the first lady uh, assistant manager for the Giants was a really big, pretty big deal. But I also see yeah. they're not like a family, but they're more like a community they're working together for a goal and i sit look and see like this they totally have a goal set they want this goal set i think they could probably do it yeah um it'll be interesting to see and uh, david ross for the cubs um you know obviously he was uh, the catcher on the world series backup catcher on the 2016 world series team um being a catcher i think gives him an advantage for managing yes. pitching rotations. Uh, he, I mean, he, he caught John Lester uh, most of his games. So he knows Lester, he knows most of the team, um, but he's never managed before in his life. Um, and so it'll be interesting Al- already. I've seen, you know, for what I saw in spring training, uh, Ross is completely different from, uh, from Joe Madden mm-hmm. and Joe, Joe Madden had a different lineup every day. You never know who was going to bat uh, lead off. Um, and Ross came in there with the old school yeah. baseball management style where he, he said, everybody's going to, you know, we're going to bat uh, 
Chris Bryant first every every game and Rizzo's gonna be second or whatever and it's 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 a set lineup. That's what he likes. Um, uh-huh. that's kind of what I grew up with. You you knew what the lineups were, you know, back in, in the day when I was younger. So um that'll be interesting to see. And it'll be also be interesting to see Joe Madden uh managing yeah. the Angels. I still love Joe and, and he loves Southern California. He's I think he's gonna be way more comfortable. Uh, in Anaheim than he was in Chicago. He, he, he didn't like the weather in Chicago. Mm -hmm. If it was cold, he'd wear like these really heavy coats and a big hat. Um, So I can, I can just kind of see him with a flowered shirt and a drink in in Los Angeles, kick it back. Yeah. He can go to the beach and say, ah, I've never got this in Chicago. Exactly. He, he'll love that. So, so I bet you're happy that, that Hunter Pence yes. is back, and right? Then one more thing to cover on David Ross. I think he's going to have a different method or approaching of John Lester and those former pitchers like um, Kyle, what is his name? Yes. Kyle I Hendricks. think they're going to have a different approach to him. And he's going to immediately bomb with the guys. They're going to have a right approach with like with Rizzo. Like not much change with the Cubs. They're going to have a really pretty positive, <coughs> a pretty positive group. They're going to respect him. He's going to have the same leadoff batter, which I think is probably good. Know who's who. And I think ha- ha- because he was a catcher for the back or for the World Series, I think he's going to take it to a whole another no- level because he knows his pitchers. He knows how, like when to pull them. And I think with those rule changings, I don't know how he's going to um, respond to those. Yeah, that's that's a good segue into our, our next topic, and that is the rule changes mm-hmm. for 2020. Um, how do you how do you feel about the three batter minimum, where a relief pitcher has to face three batters um, or finish the inning? Um, do you understand what the purpose of that rule is, so that you don't have the righty lefty matchups when seventh, eighth, ninth inning comes, and sometimes you'll see three, four pitchers in an inning, which really drags the game out. I really can't stand. Uh, watching a game towards the end where uh, one inning is going to take 30 minutes because you got to wait for so many relievers to warm up. Um, do you like that rule or do you think it's a bad rule? Um, well, I really like that rule because, well, for the good or bad of it, I could argue about that. It would kind of give that relief pitcher a little time, like, hey, warm up for one guy and you're out. I it's like not even worth you just come out of the bullpen, pitch to one batter, and then go straight back sitting on the bench. I don't. Well, that's that's the the loogie. Have you <laughs> heard the term loogie? L O O G Y left left handed uh, one out yeah. guy or whatever. Um, that's a role in baseball that I I don't I never liked that because. You pay these guys millions of dollars to to face one batter a day, you know, and sometimes only like three batters in a week. 
that's kind of ridiculous if you ask mm-hmm. me that, that 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 that's that guy's job and then you got a starter who you expect to go six innings um you know and face 30 batters and you got a guy that faces one batter and he's gone that's really silly and it'd be one thing if these guys were a hundred percent of the time they'd come in and get that out but but half of the time they come in and the guy walks, he walks the guy and then they, they bring in another pitcher. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. But as the, the managers, the managers hate it, hate this because these managers love to play righty lefty percentages and, and parade four, 13 pitchers in a game, Joe Madden included. He hates the rule. Um, I, I, you have yet to find a manager who likes this rule. They all think that it's taken away from their strategy options. Um, As a, as a fan though, I like it. Um, What do you think? Are are there any disadvantages to this rule? The disadvantage is like, sure. So say you have the best hitter coming up. You put him with like, say he's a right lefty and you put in a righty. Well, then the righty comes up, and then you get the hard of, like, say you put your left-handed pitcher in the the heart of the best order. He's going to struggle. I could, why I dislike that rule is because it messes with the manager's strategy because you want to get that one pitcher right back out so that then you have that advantage. But I can also see that this guy could want a bit more. He wants that starting job. Every pitcher at spring training wants that starting job. But if you're a better, like, closer, like we had some pretty good closers last year who, like, um, Smith and a few others, they would come in. They did a great job closing. They gave up a few singles and stuff, but the catcher's goal, like Buster Posey's, David Ross, who is now the manager, I would say their goal was to at least give up a hit so make it look like you're actually just going to let him hit it all day and then start, like, go one, two, three. And that way you make it look like, oh, I'm going to let this guy go right out or, like, hit a base hit. Oh, and then my defense, and then I strand all three in the next bat or in all three strikeouts. So for the disadvantage or advantage, I can tell you, but I can kind of see Bochi really didn't mind that rule. He would use it once in a while, but wasn't really often. He really actually kind of liked his rule, or liked the rule, because the rule they just implemented is because he could get more out of his relievers and then let him rest up for the, like, let him pitch two innings, put him on the bench, and then that way... Everybody gets a turn, but you aren't overexhausting your relievers. You overexhaust your best relievers or your relievers. You're going to have problem. Just saying. Well, I, I I think it puts more strategy in the game instead of taking it away. Because right now, I think what mm-hmm. you've got in most of these managers is 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 they're lazy. They make the 
um, the safe choices, which is, okay, we've got a righty up, so I'm going to bring in a righty. A lefty's coming up. I'm going to put in a lefty. And, 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 and this is how they manage. I've got these two lefties, and I've got these, this one righty left on the, in the bullpen, and this is what I'm going to use. Now it forces them to yeah. say, um, okay, a lefty's coming up, and then I've got a righty, and then another righty. So I need to plan for you know, three yeah. guys at once instead of one. And so, it, and it also puts a lot more um, into your righty lefty matchups when you make your lineup or when you sub, you want to say, okay, I'm going to put this righty after this guy in the lineup because then it's going to go righty lefty righty. And then he can't, yeah. you know, bring in a lefty to get three lefties in a row. So there's, there's more strategy, I think, and, and anything that will speed up the game and make these later innings go a little bit faster, I, I well, think is a, is a good thing. I would like to um, so that's the, dip in right to the next topic here um, of DHs or that, um, like, DHs. Do you, that, that's a good a, – yeah. the DH rule. Yeah, um, pe- people are saying that it's, it's inevitable that the DH comes to the National League um, – you know, it, it started in what, like 1973 in the American League – um, I love the not having the DH in the National League, and I'll mm-hmm. tell you why. Um, I really like the strategy that it pull it brings to the game, where you have to decide when to pinch hit for your pitcher, um, and then it the whole thing about double switches has to do with the uh, uh, with with replacing your pitcher. Now the the argument against uh, against it is that it's not fun to see a pitcher bat because they're so bad. I, I love seeing pitchers because here's the thing. How many times have you, um, you seen a pitcher at bat and uh, your pitcher walks the other pitcher and, and you throw your hands up and discussing he, you can't walk the pitcher. That's the worst thing that can happen. Um, or how much excitement does it bring to the game when um, like Bumgarner hits uh what did he hit two home runs uh, mm-hmm. on opening day or something like that he yeah so your pitcher hits a home run which is humiliating to the yeah. other team and the other pitcher which you just that just doesn't happen in well, in the American League um what do you like do you like the DH well, what I feel, feel about, about it is like sometimes a DH like you want to mess up the other pitchers you want to mess up that other team you want to mess up their rotation then go right ahead at that DH. But, like, it depends on your pitcher. Like, I know some of them, like, uh, tie block and stuff. It's kind of, the other team is kind of humiliated. Even if, like, they hit a base hit. Even if it's not, like, Bumgarner. Like, Bumgarner, you can tell, just has real a lot of fun like humiliating the other team versus like <laughs> I see most pitchers it's not it's like like Johnny Cueto they are actually going for the ball they aren't like oh and hit a bunt like most base coaches want the their pitchers to bunt now the thing is I bring in a DH when you have like the bases loaded, you're down by a run, you had your pitcher up, 
unless it's not like a guy like Bumgarner or somebody who can at least can knock in a run, then I'd say bring in my DH, like somebody who at least gets on base and we score that run. Then we let it go to our offense in the heart of our starting lineup. That's our key point. You let that DH in to let your guy take in and go right ahead and knock in. Well, if 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 the DH rule comes in, you'll never yeah. see a pitcher bat ever, unless um, in in some cases, um, like in long uh, extra inning games, all you have left is is a good hitting pitcher, yes. and I've seen that done quite often. Um, but you mentioned bunting. I mean, having a a pitcher who can bunt and bunt well is actually again a great piece mm-hmm. of strategy. For example, on the Cubs. Um, uh, John John Lester was a fantastic bunter, and not only would Joe Madden use him to bunt, but he'd run squeeze plays and pick up an extra run quite often because um, they they're not expecting they're the squeeze for play. The out on the and pitcher. John Lester was so yeah yeah they are, and and Lester could put would surprise them with that squeeze bunt, and and they'd score a run. It, it was kind of a fun extra tool yeah. that he had in the toolbox. Um, Okay, some more rule changes. Um, the uh, they're not going to have twenty seconds instead of thirty seconds to challenge, um, uh, to to call the challenge for the instant replay, um, which um, is a very small. It's a minor change, which means they basically have to know right away are they going to challenge it. Because right now, what you're seeing is, you know, there's a close play at second. The guy's thrown out, and then they hold up their hand, and you see a guy in the dugout on the phone. Um, talking to their uh, video guy in a booth somewhere saying, watch the video and should we challenge, which again makes the game about the technology well, and not about the game. This way with, with 20 seconds, you've got to know right away, Hey, that's close enough. I'm going to challenge it. There's no time to go back and, and watch the replay and, and make the decision. So that speeds it up. But how do you feel well, about replay I think in general? Replays- they're kind of helpful because I'm looking at a few things. I'm looking and seeing, like, you probably need a person on the phone right away. That way you can just call the video guy and say, hey, we want a challenge right away. Like, you have no time to pick up and watch that extra 10-second video. You need to know, like, do you want a challenge or not? And I think most point you need to have somebody close because you need to call them fast. Yeah, here, here's my problem with the replay. Um, right now it's implemented yes. so poorly and it takes so long and it's so anti- anticlimactic that if, if, if I had a choice right now with the way that replay is, is implemented now or to get rid of all replays and go back to the days where it's a hundred percent umpires and bad calls are part of the game. I would go to the old days where it was just bad calls. And, and here's why um, I've seen games now, and, and this happens not that often, but it happens enough where the last out of the game is made. And then they challenge the last play because they got nothing to lose. And so the fans are like, okay, did we win? Or did or we even is get over? on is the base? Not over? They're ready to leave. Yeah, so so they're they're waiting to see, and so the end of the game instead of being the end of the last play of the game, which is 
you know, part of baseball. Okay, last there's the last out, or you know, here's the walk off hit. That's how a game should end. Instead, I'm seeing these games end where you got you know four fat guys standing behind home plate with headsets on, and and the fat guy raises his hand to say out, and then we're like, oh, okay, now we can go home because it's that is not baseball. That's ridiculous. And so, um, it's it's anticlimactic. Now, here's what they should be doing. Um, there, there, there's billions of dollars in baseball. So hire a guy to watch every single play instead of only waiting, having the guy sit by the phone in New York where, okay, it's replay time. We're going to call the guy in New York and then the guy's going to go, Oh, you want to replay now? Now I will start looking at the play. And then five minutes later, they make the call. Why don't they look at every single play? Okay. And no, I mean, if you're watching the yeah. game, let's say this was your job, Eli, it's your job to watch the game on a monitor and you have a button to watch the replay from all the angles. And as soon as you see anything that's remotely close or controversial, you start watching that immediately, regardless of whether they're going to challenge it or not. So, you know, so by the time that phone call comes to you in 20 or 30 seconds, they call, you're going to say, you know what? I've looked at this three times already and I know the answer. But instead, they're so slow at looking at it. And what I'd like to see the guys that are doing this and just say, come well, on, guys, how long does it take Mark, to decide? I totally get your point. But um, on my side of things, I also see there's guys on both sides and they're see- saying and seeing, like, okay, like, we see this call, but do we like how they show it with yeah they're te- no i don't want to call new york yeah i would rather do something way different than call new york yeah i think they, they just need to make it faster or so even it, in the booth doesn't slow the game down yeah and, and it yeah it shouldn't it shouldn't take so long speaking of that um the Cubs announcers um, have been saying for a while now that it's it's just a matter of time till we get an electronic umpire calling balls and strikes. They say we already have the technology, and now you're seeing one in five calls, like sometimes up to twenty percent of the call ball strike calls are incorrect, according to StatCast. So StatCast is showing you where the ball was. It's two inches outside the plate. The guy calls it a strike, and and so we're mm-hmm. watching that, and, and I'm sure you do this too. You're watching the game, and you go, you go, that was a that was strike three. What's going on here? Um, so they're saying it's just a matter of time before we just get rid of the umpire at home plate, and uh, and and the balls and strikes are are uh, are done by Statcast. How would you feel about that and getting well, rid of the home things. plate umpire? One, I'm looking at like how are we actually going to say like strike or like ball and the other thing is why get rid of that home plate umpire he's going to see a bit more and stat cast is not going to call those close calls at home plate no i i, I don't i don't think they're talking about getting rid of the of the play at the plays at the plate call so he'd still be there for that he'd probably still be there for calling fair foul but the just balls and strikes would be completely stat cast. Now you're, it's a good point. How, how are we going to know if it's a ball or strike? 
you know, it'd be on the scoreboard. It would, you know, maybe the umpire would have a signaling device and StatCast would buzz for a ball or a strike. But um, would you be a would you object yes, to having StatCast calling the balls well, and the strikes? For a few reasons, but one reason is that I see this like automatic buzzer thing and say like. Looking at StatCast, it looks close, and even on television, you can see, like, they did actually call it a strike. A little percentage of the umpires miss it, but it's more, like, StatCast is a bit slower. You need to update it faster, or I really don't want it, and plus... You can tell that the umpires are looking a bit closer, at least on like a few games. Well, two two things there, two things there. It's the the number of wrong calls is way more prevalent than you think. That I've seen statistics as high as twenty percent, mm-hmm. which is you know a typical five pitch at bat. One of those balls was incorrect. Now you're right in that Statcast might not be fast enough, but I I think they can get the technology fast enough that they could call it as fast as 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 the umpire calls it now here's here's another thing though that changes the game and it changes the strategy of the game um, which i wouldn't be object to because I'm, I'm all for this um calling balls and strikes via stat cast but it gets rid of yeah. pitch framing now buster posey supposedly is one of the, the best pitch framers however i hate the fact that pitch framing is part of the game because what pitch framing is, is it's the ability of a catcher to deceive an umpire by making a ball look like it was a strike when it really wasn't a strike. That should not be part of baseball. Baseball is about truth, and it's about hitting the ball or not hitting the ball. Okay? So this business of – so so Buster Posey's good at moving his glove a couple inches and, and fooling an umpire into calling a strike. Why is that well, a part of our I game? I think it's stupid. I the other part and say, well – it may be a little bad, but he's also making it – he's using – that pitch is coming in at 90 miles per hour or whatever, and he has to react instantly. Or, like, I know, like, Wilson Contreras is good at it. Dallas Petrol and he's I know okay. more of, like, Gary Sanchez and stuff. More American catchers, like American League, are better at pitch framing, and I think they could get away with it if they wanted. Yeah, I just I I never liked that part of the game. I know it is a part of the game. Like um, I've got a good uh, friend here, uh, my son's friend, who is a big Giants fan, and we talked about the difference between. Um, uh, Wilson Contreras and Buster Posey and and he said and and I was saying well you know Contreras's batting numbers are are up there he's 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 out hitting Posey now yeah. he goes yeah but Posey's a much better pitch framer and I'm thinking pitch framer you know to me that's like yeah now he handles the the the, the pitching staff better well, yeah. um I think and that's a big part of it I mean if you look at catchers how well Posey you know handles his staff well, he makes your pitches yeah. better. Well, he gets more out of them. The he calls a better game. Is that a little I part of that. I would have to say, like, p- 
like Austin Hedges is really good for the Padres, but Buster Posey handles his pitching staff in that he doesn't want, like, that's why Bochy wasn't a total fan of the in and out because Posey was such a good pitch framer. He could make it so that those pitchers stayed in longer. Like, yeah. Like, he can make a sinker and make it yeah. for a fastball, which, for the good or bad of it, you'd have to argue whenever that pitch is. But that's what I my side of things looks like. Hey, what do you think of this? So, you asked how, mm-hmm. how are we going to call balls and strikes with StatCast? Um, put this on, try this on for size. So you get a guy, you get a guy behind home plate. And if it's a ball, he bangs once on a trash can. And if it's a strike, he bangs two times. On I'd a trash say can. that's that? a bit like, yeah. That's a joke. That's, that's what, that's yeah. what they did for the uh, Astros. That's how the now, Astros called uh, curve, curveball. I thought that would be funny. Pace of, or uh, <laughs> too many homers are the, are they juicy the balls? Oh, yeah. Let's let's let us let us let let let's hold off on on that one until our our next episode. Well, um, this is just the shutdown episode. So, uh, yeah. just one last thing on we were on rule changes. Um, how do you feel about the twenty six man roster um, going from twenty five to that twenty six yeah, man? That's yeah, yeah, in a way because game? you're bringing up one more better star than you had last time. Yes. <laughs> If you if you're a manager, would you bring up a uh, a pitcher well, or a, or a hitter for that that twenty? So like man? on Giants' perspective, their bullpen is like heavy and white at the same time. So I'd bring up a pitcher and then just work out like say uh, I send a guy two guys down to the minors just to heal up. You bring up two minor league guys. One or say they're both pitchers, so you put them into pitcher. And then you get them into that rotation. That's a big key. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's mm-hmm. going to have a big effect. It's going to uh, even things out. Um, speaking of uh, sending pitchers back down, the, the last uh, major rule change is uh, the pitchers, when you bring a pitcher down uh, uh, for the injured list, mm-hmm. it used to be called the DL, now it's the IL, the injured list, uh, pitchers have to go down for 15 days instead of 10. And the, the rationale behind that is with a 10 day, uh, they're going to miss, you know, basically you can work it. So they missed maybe one or two starts because most of these pitchers are on five days rest anyway. So you could work it out so that they don't really even miss a start. You could send them down for some rest. Now it's 15 days. So you got to really think about <laughs> it before you put a, put a pitcher on, on the, mm-hmm. uh, on the injured list. Now the, the other thing about the 26 man roster which is a good thing. And um, by the way, on double header days, those yeah. rosters expand to 27 men. So you get a 27th man during the yeah, double headers, exactly. which is a good thing. Double headers are, are, are pretty, um, gru- um, gr- they're grueling. Um, but uh, it used to be uh, September, and, and this is up till 2019. In September, you got 40 players uh, in September, which is a ton. Um, which means basically you get to pull up all of your minor league um, prospects and, and see them and, and get a view. Now I think it's down to 28. So you get two extra guys. 
that's going to really hurt these guys in the minors who had a chance to play on the big league team in September. So in a way, you know, you get more players with that 26th man, but those little stars that you used to parade, uh, they they fill up the bench. You're not going to see them. So that's kind of a a drag for the the minor leaguers. I feel bad for those guys. On the bad side for the major leaguers, but I'm, my thought in it is at least you could bring up at least like maybe 36 players. Like have 36 players in your dugout. But I'm thinking like if you really wanted to see those stars play, keep your top like nine guys and then have a like keep your best stars and your best t- like catchers. And then kind of work your bullpen so you send a few guys down, not for the bad part of things, just to see your got the you know, those young miners that could basically shine. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, but yeah. that's that's much harder to do with only twenty eight guys on the on the team yep. versus forty. Okay, so this this kind of wraps up our our first uh, the shutdown episode. Is there anything else that you wanted to add before we uh, uh, call just it a thank you for listening, and that we'll catch you tomorrow for another episode of Baseball Talk with Mark and Eli. You too. All right. You too. Thanks.